Hey everyone, welcome to episode 12 of Tennis with an Accent. Uh, I'm here with Sakib, we're here together. Um, Hello. And uh, we're going to discuss quite a few interesting things happening at the Australian Open today. The world turned upside down, I think. And uh, so we'll review week one and let's talk about some of the, the key events that happened and some of the players that showed up. And also we have... Our predictions, I guess, for week two. Yeah, preview week two. Let's go. All right, Sakib. So, I don't know what's going on here. Are we in 2007 or 2017? I mean, it looks like uh, we might even see a Roger Rafa final and maybe a Williams final as well. I'm okay with the Williams final. I hope there's no Roger Rafa final as a Federer fan. I've had enough of those. So, yeah, it is uh, interesting how this first week has shaped out. And, you know, like the old saying, whatever comes up must come down. So, I think Djokovic and now Murray too, they've tasted this uh, early loss, uh, which they haven't in a while. And, uh, yeah, Novak Djokovic has been the ultimate standard. His departure opened up the field. And guess what? Andy Murray's out now. So... Yeah, and, and and a shocking week, even I would say on the women's side, uh, because Angelique Kerber lost uh, to Coco Van de Vigie. Uh Now that's that's something that, that may not sound so surprising because Coco has been this kind of a streaky player who's capable of uh, pulling off an upset. But you still, when you take out the defending champ in world number one, that's big news. That is indeed. That was your pick, right? Angie Kerber or was it Serena Williams? Let's not talk about my picks because right now, everyone is gone. Everyone I picked pretty much is gone. Hey, that's when Stan the Man is still in the <laughs> who, who, we, who we refuse to talk about, right? Hey, it works for him. I think most people don't talk about him. And then he gets tested by Klizan and now he is playing some clutch tennis, beating Seppi and three tie breaks. So let's talk about week one. What, what for you was the bigger upset? Uh, was it Djokovic's loss uh, or was it Annie Murray? Both are pretty pretty huge. I mean, the impact the, uh, these losses have on their respective draws. But I have to say, I'm still not used to Novak Djokovic making week one departure. I think last time it had to be 2008 Wimbledon when he lost to one of my favorites, Marat Safin. So that's how consistent Djokovic is. And, you know, we can't say enough accolades how he's dominated and been the standard so to me that was a standout loss it was uh, I, I think one of the things is Istomin played out of his skin um, it, it was amazing to see him continue to play that level for five sets um, kudos to him because it was very much like like a Soderling Rafa French Open match except Istomin is came out of nowhere I mean Soderling I think still was a top 10 player when he beat Rafa but from a from a historic standpoint, is this the greatest upset in Grand Slam history? No, I don't want to sensationalize too much, but it, it's, it's going to be one of the greatest upsets because Novak Djokovic, even on his off day, has no business losing to someone like Dennis, who had to win the qualifying tournament of Asia Pacific to qualify for this event. And I know he's been injured, but he, even at his best day, shouldn't be going toe-to-toe with Novak. And Novak was playing decent. Yeah, he, he's not the Djokovic of, you know, recent years that we're so used to dominating. But still, I think that stands out. So this is why I think Murray's loss was the bigger upset uh, for me. Uh, because Istamin played out of his mind and beat Novak. Murray, on the other hand, I think was just below par. Uh, he had no business losing to Misha Zverev either. 
Yeah, but he's had these kind of losses before. Verdasco a few years ago at the U.S. Open, then Wawrinka a couple of times. You know, before Wawrinka actually became, you know, the stand the man Wawrinka we know. He also lost to Kevin Anderson. So Murray does check out every now and then, but I think this is uh, purely, uh, uh, to me, I think it was just a bad day at the office and combining, I think he probably was looking at the opportunity of winning this thing after losing five finals. So this opens a couple of doors for two old familiar foes, uh, Roger and Rafa. Where do you see them going? Again, I mean, uh, been in the Federer camp for so long. Uh, I know some of my fans who are Nadal fans and they are still not believers in Rafa Nadal's you know, recent resurgence. But for me, I have respect and I know out of fear because what Rafa, if he's on a roll, he's such a difficult matchup for anyone. So before the tournament started, Milos Raonic was my pick, even with Novak Djokovic in the draw, to come out on top from that section. But now if he's having flu-like symptoms or fever, uh, I think Nadal could really test him and could be a very difficult match for Milos. But then if Milos is fine, I still think he's a slight favorite. I would agree. I think Rafa has definitely got the easier side of the uh, easier half. Um, And if you recall, in a previous podcast, I had said one of the keys for Rafa to turn this around was it was a mental thing. Um, He was losing five setters all over the place over the last... It's been, I think, close to three years since he won. Yeah, I think it was here, Tim Smishek. I think that was the last match he won in five. Exactly. And and he really needed to pull out one of these and... I, where I said he might come back with Carlos Moya is mentally stronger and and show some of that, that old ability in the fifth set. And he did that. So it's a huge confidence boost. I'm with you. If you're a Roger fan, um, you don't want to look that far into the tournament. I mean, there's going to be a couple of difficult matches. Yeah, they both could lose next round. They both could. But, but they both equally, I think, are very opportunistic players. And uh, I, I, I could see both of them playing to win this tournament right now and um, Roger probably came in with lesser expectations but look at how the draws opened out for him. I mean Roger still had a very tough draw so yeah now he finally uh, caught a break with uh, Misha Zverev taking out the world number one but uh, yeah I think this is huge break huge break because he just played a five-setter against Nishikori the last thing he needed was a quarterfinal against Andy Murray and I I can expect Roger to come out in straight sets in the quarterfinals. Yeah, last time he played Zverev was in Hala, and I think it was uh, two bagels. Six two months, bagels, so, yeah. yeah he's... Of course, uh, Misha Zverev is a different player. He's won a lot of matches, probably the most matches if you combine the qualifying tour. Uh, so, yeah, he well-deserved. He's uh, Who would have known he would be the Zverev standing alone in the second week? His younger brother was so fancied, and even uh, a lot of experts expected him to upset Rafael uh, Nadal. Like me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 like you, yeah. One of the big upsets, yeah. Uh, you know, so Sasha for me was not a disappointment despite that. Uh, I think he came up against a Rafa who's been playing at uh, at or close to the le- uh, the highest level he has in many years. And I thought Sasha played extremely well. Um, he's going to take away a few things, especially about his fitness. Um, and he learned from his brother, I think. It really helps to play against a guy in your own backyard uh, who is extremely fit. Um, so I, I definitely feel Sasha, he, he gets, he comes out of this l- feeling good about, I think, the rest of the year. Well, most most definitely. I think uh, I go back to this famous comment, I think, when Safin said when he was out of the top uh, 20 and he was supposed to play Roger, he said, you know, these matches in the big courts, they have a very, very different rhythm. And for someone who hasn't been part of that, you know, that kind of match, that kind of aura, he did really well, uh, Zverev. And uh, for the first part of the match, like the first three sets, he was... The better player. But then, uh, I don't know if you watched the match. I was looking. The third set was very competitive. 
Nadal was slicing a lot and just taking the pace of the ball and making Zverev come up with shot after shot and extra shot. And Nadal's defense was totally plugged in. So I, I said to myself, I mean, if this is the way it's going to go, Nadal still has a chance, even though Zverev was up two sets to one. And then uh, that's that's when I stopped watching the match. And mm-hmm. then next thing I woke up to is a, a Nadal victory. So, <laughs> so do you see do you see Rafa get troubled at all by Morphys in the next round? I mean, Morphys mm-hmm. has been a very underrated player lately. Yeah, because we you're so used to Morphys doing the you know non-serious stuff, and now you know with Mikhail Tilstrom in his corner, he's uh, made this round of 16 two years in a row. And he has like a match, and this is the time I think if he has to get a major win against Nadal, uh, you know I still think Nadal's you know quite removed from his best, even though his defense really showed up. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's a good match. I think Monfils can probably physically test Nadal, but in my opinion, I still think Nadal's gonna. If Monfils is the guy he has to get through, I think he probably fancies his chances. All right, let's talk about the guy we don't want to talk about. Um, let's not forget he won the last slam that was played. Stand the man uh, playing. Songa, and this is a powerhouse uh, match in terms of yeah, hitting. They, and they've had some classics with Roland Garros. I think uh, they've played three times, and I think everything's gone. Every time it's gone five. So Songa is another guy who's been injured, but kind of positions himself for these big events and shows up for at least a second week. Uh, I, I still think uh, Songa played one of the the greatest uh, matches I've seen on this court um, at, at the Australian Open against Rafa. Many years ago, um, but that, that he's one player who I think has un- underachieved for most of his career, and now he's also another guy who's looking at this draw and saying, "Hey, I'm looking at a set of, uh, I mean, a lineup of players I can beat. I can beat Stan. I can beat Roger for sure. I've beaten Roger as Slam, and and I, I definitely can beat Rafa on this court." Yeah, I think even from Federer's point of view, as a pure Federer fan, you think which is a tougher matchup if you see Stan, the man across. Or Joe Songa. Surprisingly, I think I would say Songa is the tougher match here. Um, Roger, I think, figured out how to play against Wawrinka. And he's always owned, owned him, I think, throughout their career. Outside of play. Outside of play, yeah. yes. But I, I just feel that he's got way too much on him mentally. And the way he's playing right now, um, and the, the way the courts are playing, actually, that, that's a huge part. The court is playing much faster than before from everything we've seen. Um I think Roger holds the edge against Stan now, but against Songa, the same variables that I talk about, faster courts, the history, yeah. I mean, this could turn out to be a real close match. I hope it's a day match for Songa. I think Songa can pull the upset. He's, uh, you know, maybe the underdog because Wawrinka has joined the big leagues and, you know, he's won more majors than anyone, not named Djokovic in the last, I think, three or four years. Now, that being said, I think Songa is in really... I think this is going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a very close match. Yeah. So, there's two other matches I want to ask you about because we're taking the results for granted here. But I actually think they, they could be really tricky games, both of them. One is uh, Dimitrov against uh, Istomin. Um, we we are all expecting, I think, Dimitrov to win this one. Sakibai, I know you, you, you're predicting a win here. Um, what's your take? I'm surprised and actually, you know, kudos to Dennis Istomin to backing up that, you know, five set when usually the case is, you know, if you look at these kind of major upsets, they just can't win the next round because the level drops and, you know, they're still probably celebrating and they're just, you know, mentally not there. But this guy beat a very tough uh, top 30 player, Karinio Busta, in the following round after scoring the win over Novak. Uh, that being said, playing two five setters in the heat, not sure if Dennis is used to playing, you know, going this deep and playing these many sets 
and uh, and it's another afternoon match it is going to be an afternoon match i i like dimitrov i think he himself has turned a corner i think gaske may not be a top player but in their rivalry he's kind of abused grigor dimitrov at you know big stages in 5-1 mentally and, was a huge yeah it, it was huge i think it's like jordan against the pistons oh let's talk about uh, ravanich i mean we have, we have we've been talking about ravanich potentially playing rafa but he's going to play a very solid player on this tour uh, batista gut um who i i think you can he doesn't give anything away for free yeah and donut takes lots of stuff for free and he's going to put like 29 aces and he hasn't lost to uh, batista gut yet i i don't see that dynamic changing unless you know the flu like symptoms or whatever he's uh, suffering with continues uh, i still think ravanich in four ravanich in four i yeah. i would agree with you i i also see ravanich winning this uh, had the privilege of seeing batista gut court side last year at the us open and i was actually very surprised by privilege? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, the privilege was the court side. It was against Luca Pui, which a great match played um, uh, uh, played on the hard court. Uh, no, it was a five setter, right? It was Pui a five setter, and I have to say, I was very surprised by actually the power he was generating from the baseline. Um, so Raonic definitely doesn't want to get into long mm-hmm. rallies here. Did you see talk about long rallies? Did you see any bit of the? The grind it was, Ferrer versus Batista Gut. They played, I think, four sets. Which has always been the case when yeah, it was both brutal. of them. And it, was like, it was like more than four hours for four sets. Batista Gut has actually kind of turned around their rivalry a bit too. And uh, so he won, a, won this one. And um, and this is sad because for me also it means the decline of one of my favorite players on this tour, uh, David Ferrer. Um, yeah, but I think Ferrer is on, like you said, he's on this downward trajectory. So it's not Batista Gut. I think a lot of players, Gasquet started beating him a few years ago. Yes. Nishikori has owned him. You know, who, who is the next David Ferrer? Is it a Batista Gut, David Goffin? No, Batista Gut, Goffin, I think, still has some offense. But Batista Gut is like, you know, their match reminded me of the Lendl Villander 87 final. <laughs> four sets produced. The one where I fell asleep a few times. Yeah, I think yeah. So four hours, 47 minutes for four sets. Check it out if you really have nothing to do. <laughs> it's a good final, but... That was that was a historic final because it made Volander the, the world number one. No, right. this is the final before. Oh, the, uh, so you're talking of the 87, 87 yeah. because they, there was also an 88 final. 88 was five sets, yeah. Yes. So anyway, enough of uh, the old talk. Let's uh, move. <laughs> so, so let's talk about David uh, Goffin. He's the one other player. Um, do you see him going any further? Yeah, I, I pick him to win against uh, Dominic team purely after watching his match against uh, Ivo Karlovic. I know Karlovic had you know a tough time against uh, Zibayas. Very tough. different kind of player, though. I mean, you have to think that Goffin up against team uh, team is starting to play really well, hitting that forehand really. Uh, you know, he's, yeah, he's putting some gonna, spin on it. Yeah, he's going to be okay by Indian Wells. I think he's still. <laughs> I think a little shaky to me. But again, you know, I could look very silly if team wins tonight. So. But those are the matches I, I think of them as 50-50s. It really is about who shows up uh, on the day. And for me, actually, I know you, you, you're picking Dimitrov. Um, I, I even think Istomin still has a shot because he is playing at a very high level right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, like I said, uh, if he plays like he played against Novak, he will have a shot. But then how much those legs and, you know, what's left in there after those two five-setters. Because Batista, sorry, Carino Busta is, again, not an easy out. A lot of balls are in play. It's a very physical match. And uh, Dimitrov is going to test him, you know, uh, his mini Fed game. He's going to just bring in the slice, come to the net. So outside this, let me let me interrupt you. Outside this, Djokovic and um, Murray losses. What for you has been the single biggest surprise on the men's side? 
I mean, you, you have to say it's uh, the oldest wearer, right? I mean, this guy was had no business qualifying for this kind of a tournament if you looked a year ago. And you you actually called him out, uh, when was this, three months ago? Uh, three or four months ago, Sakib comes to me and he says, hey, th- I don't know about you, but I've been seeing Misha Zverev in all these draws and challenger tournaments. He's been winning a ton of matches. Yeah, I was keeping a tab on your boy, Ryan Harrison. They both, I think... Were... <laughs> My boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone has to own him, yeah. So, yeah, both these guys were really going through the grind and qualified, I think, 11 events each. And then, uh, of course, a World Time interview came and just, you know, put Zverev in the spotlight, like what he's gone through. And after the injury, he started practicing with his brother. Such a feel-good story. And, you know, and and even the interview was really informative, I think. Yeah, and winning is very infectious. I mean, the the fact that he was winning so many matches, I just puts him in a frame of mind where when it gets close, I think he, he, he has the confidence that he can pull it out, even against better players. We saw this with Goffin uh, two or three years ago. Goffin yeah. actually went back to the Challenger Tour and he, he had this crazy winning streak, I remember, coming back and um, and became a different player. Yeah, this, uh, I mean, still want to stick with uh, uh, Zverev. I think uh, he played someone like, who was someone playing tennis in the 80s or maybe even 90s, like a Pat Rafter style, when he just found every single chance to come to the net, slices backhand through, so... Yeah, I think to me, he's, uh, of course, I think for a lot of people, he's a takeaway point from week one. For me, the biggest surprise is Roger Federer is still playing um, and playing at this level. Uh, I did not see this coming. I actually thought uh, he would lose to Burdick. That match took me back, I don't know, 12 years or 14 years. The level of play that he showed in that one match made me feel like he can win this whole thing. And then he comes and follows it up with another really strong win against uh, Kei Nishikori, who I think was playing his best tennis. Um, I, I don't think Nishikori's level dropped at all until that fifth set where he started to develop some cramps. Um, so Roger, for me, surprisingly, is, um, I think, the guy I, I did not expect in, at this stage. No, Roger played really well, especially he was very offensive-minded at the forehand once he level the match he was really going for he was dictating play and sometimes Kay's hitting deep balls and all of a sudden Roger just Roger just smacks the winner so I was surprised I don't know if you watched the full match uh, this should have shouldn't have gone five but then credit to Kay he gutted that game out I think the game lasted more than 10 minutes he saved a few break points and then turned this around but Roger just didn't lose he didn't blink he kept serving he just had one lapse in that uh, sports set the and got broken, but then after that, his serve just carried him through, and he was really good from the ground as well. It wasn't as physical as, a, say, a Djokovic-Nishikori match would be, but they had a lot of long rallies, and Roger came out on a good amount of those, you know, like winning those points, so that's not the formula you were expecting. But if you're a Fed fan, like, you know, most of us, uh, these, are, these are good signs, you know. It'll be hard not to see him in the semis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's quickly switch to the women's side here. Um, ask you... Uh, uh, but they think the big story that's brewing is potentially a Serena Williams and Venus Williams final. Now, there's a long way to go for that. I think things have to really work out for uh, Venus, especially, I think. Uh, she's still a wildly inconsistent player, not not playing at the level she was maybe six or seven years ago. Um, but they've been some really surprising results that, that has opened up the draw for, I would say, um, for, for Venus on uh, on Kerber's side. And um, the two big results for me on that side were Kerber losing. And very early in the tournament, Simona Halep also lost. Yeah, she lost day one. And uh, it's been a surprise. Yeah, a lot of people had 
her coming into the dark horse. Uh, I'm still glad like my you know second or third favorite for this to win Lishkova is still around, and I think she can still do some damage. Definitely, um, the, her, even her twin was in uh, <laughs> Christina Pliskova was um, you know looking pretty good uh, until a certain point, and uh, but there's going to be only one sibling I guess uh, on each side of the draw. Uh, uh, Sasha Zverev lost and so did Christina. <laughs> okay, I'll make a bold prediction. Serena Williams beats Barbara Strikova. Uh, no, but uh, but beyond that, I think Serena is now the prohibitive uh, favorite. The one player that has given her trouble is Garbina Muguruza, mm-hmm. And again, she was a surprise to me because coming into the Australian Open, she was complaining, complaining of fatigue and, you know, she had some bad results. Yeah, that, that was, uh, you know, that, that was an early... Early failure, right? For the that was the my upset. early upset, yeah. and now you're looking at, and this is this is kind of the beauty of women's tennis is, uh, you it always throws up these surprises. I think, I mean, they the players that come in and out, uh, but the one constant I've learned, Sakib is Selena Williams. Okay, let's go back to the men's draw. I was just talking to someone the other day. I want your opinion. I'm sure most of you listening also do some sort of bracketology or the tennis channel. Uh, draws. Uh, how come people like us who follow the sport, you know, 46 weeks all year long, how come we don't see, okay, Istamin over Djokovic is hard, but how come we don't see like, okay, Klizan should have won. We don't see these upsets, you know, or Dan, Dan Evans over Chilich. How come these upsets go missed and then when it happens, oh shit, I, I, I should have picked this guy. And, you know, let's talk I, about I, Dan I, Evans. I, yeah, I, he I, had like a great week as well. Dan who? Um, Dan no, I'm, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, I mean, uh, the, the fact that it's an upset means that it's not a predictable result, right? Um, so the question is, how big of an upset is it? Uh, when, when you see a 20-something or a 30-something ranked player take out a Djokovic, like Sam Query did at, at Wimbledon last year, you're not shocked. Um, I mean, you could see that coming on a grass court. Uh, when something like this happens, on the other hand, with Istomin, I think it falls upon as much as Istomin as it does on Djokovic. No, no, I said that's, okay, agree, that's an exception, right? Because that's one of the greatest upsets of a modern uh, open era. But uh, someone like Evans beating Chilich and then backing up by beating uh, Bernie Tomic. So that's, those, those are like the bracket busters. I, I, and I, I have to say this, that this, this is probably what should make us appreciate the big four even more, that they, they withstood all of this uncertainty in the last um, decade the fact that they didn't lose these matches, what they have done collectively, the four of them, is incredible, uh, unmatched in the history of the sport. Uh, we'll uh, reserve a conversation on that, I think, because we touched upon that weeks ago, when I think uh, homogenization of the surfaces have a lot to do with it. Yes, yes. And the the funny thing, the reason you... I, I think the question is great, because you see a lot of these upsets happening on the women's side right now. Um, I think the reason we are not expecting it so much on the men's side is because of the dominance of, I would say, the top, even the top 10 to top 20 players uh, in today's sport versus, uh, say, 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, but then again, Anand, again, not sure if we want to revisit, but the seeding also has changed, right? Because 32 seeds really don't allow for this kind of a matchup. Imagine if 16 seeds were there, Federer could play Murray in the first round. So Yes, but the that, example that, you gave me was Daniel Evans beating uh, Marion Cilic, which, which is a non-32... Uh, I mean, he's outside the 32 seeds and he still beat Cilic. Um, I, I agree with you. I think, I think widening the, the seedings to 32 is something I think the, the, the tournament organizers did consciously to prevent these upsets because they want the ratings, I'm sure. Um, but at the same time, 
we're not seeing, I think, the level of upsets that we saw 10 or 15 years ago. No, you answer the question, I think, uh, because that's why you're not seeing if uh, number 17th guy is probably unlucky to be, you know, just missing out on the seedings. And if he plays like number four or five, that's like, you know, throw a sock, play Nishikori in the first round in a you know, fast hardcore. Things can happen. Things can happen. I, I would agree. And, and the thing is, I mean, you could say now that, you know, the, 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 there's a lot of sympathy for a guy like, say, Ryan Harrison, who always seems to play like a, a top 10 player in the first round. But I always... There's not much sympathy for him on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore, right? Yeah. But but the thing is, I, I always say, well, just get good enough to be in, in, in the top 32. Because if you're not good enough, um, you know, you don't deserve to be in that conversation. After a six-month layoff. If this is the same Raja that was a year ago, I know like that's how things always happen. So yeah, for Federer fans, y- you have to think maybe it's again a case of a little too late uh, in this because Raja may not just uh, be ready to win like 21 sets. At some point, I think he's going to catch up. He himself said, you know, he's ready for a hiccup. So what what's positive for me is Raja is going to play, I think, an easy three-setter in the quarterfinals. That, that should help him conserve some energy. And so then it comes down to who he plays in the semifinals. Uh, if it is Songa, I think he's got his hands really full. If he, if it's Wawrinka, on the other hand, I would say there's a, there's a pretty big opening for him to take that. Um, so overall, I see Roger coming out on that side of the draw uh, into the finals because I think Stan will take out Songa in a very competitive match. Um, and and on this side of the draw, I don't see Rafa making it all the way through. I actually think that um, it, it would be either Raonic or Dimitrov. Okay. All right. So I, I think Roger can come to the final, uh, no matter who he plays. But I don't think he'll have much left for the final if he goes to Joe Songa or even Stan Wawrinka. Yeah. And, and on the women's side, are, are, are we going to call a Williams-Williams final? Uh, you go ahead. I think you are more knowledgeable. No, so I, I actually think that uh, Venus Williams is, is the, the iffy one in this. Serena is going to keep her side of the bargain. I actually think she'll win the whole thing now. Um, Kerber was a difficult player uh, matchup for her in the past. And uh, so Kerber, with Kerber gone, I just don't see anybody else other than Muguruda who can handle... Uh, believe it or not, I mean, I've been watching some uh, women's tennis this week as well. <laughs> they they must feel fortunate. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I usually check in, you know, get tune in more for the semifinal and finals, but I've had the opportunity. And I walked away very impressed with Joe Conta. Oh, yes. Is it just me or is she the talk of the town? She's really improved? or She is the most improved women's player on the tour. She's already in the top 10. Uh, very powerful ground strokes. Uh, very similar player to, I think, Samantha Stoser uh, in the past. Maybe she hits a flatter ball, um, but... Can she beat Serena? I don't see her beating Serena. So Serena is going to likely play Pliskova um, in the semis. If she beats Conta, right? I'm picking Conta upset. Oh, all right. So that, that, is, that is huge. <laughs> that, that might Why be... Why not? I mean, Djokovic lost, Kerber lost. And Maybe this is the tournament for co- the underdog. Complete, complete the full set. Conta, Pliskova semifinals. If Serena loses, I really think the opening for me is for a player like Coco to break through. Right. And Venus Williams, unfortunately, I think you're losing your next match. Okay. And I think uh, Karolina Pliskova is your Australian Open women's champion next Saturday. All right. So there are all our predictions, guys. Um, we had a great time talking again today and hope to see you all uh, when Roger Federer is holding that trophy. And please provide some feedback and don't feel shy. Just rip us apart if you're making a mockery here. 
Yeah, just give some feedback. We'll, we'll be delighted to hear from anyone who's listening and just want to know. How Be- this before we go, I do want to say, check out our website, tennisaccent.com. Uh, there's a new blog post um, talking about uh, Sakib's favorite uh, favorite tennis stroke, the one-handed backhand. And so um, do check us out on the website and uh, we will be posting some more content shortly. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye.